0: Welcome to Discover Ag, where every week we discover what's new in the world of agriculture. We're your hosts, Natalie
1: Kavork and Tara Dusen, and together we bring you our professional farming opinions on a variety of trending topics in the ag and food space. We're ag like you've never seen or heard it before. And today is a very special episode, episode 76 of Discover Ag, and it is brought to you by Case IH, to the men and women at Case IH, farming is a way of life, a life they live every day on millions of acres across North America. Get to know the farmers who work at Case IH and see how they bring that perspective into everything Case IH does. Visit BuiltByFarmers.com to see their stories and even share your own. Built by Farmers, Case IH, a proud sponsor of the Discover Ag podcast and a proud sponsor of this very special episode where we're going to be talking with um, one of Case's.
0: Yeah. So welcome to uh, episode 76. Like Tara said, it's a Tuesday. And so we have one of our interview episodes, one of our... Advocating episodes. Um, and so we actually, it's with our sponsor, Case. So we have Dr. Allison Bryan here, who's on staff at CaseIH as a research agronomist. She's focused on soil management. She received her bachelor's in crop and soil science from Illinois State University and her master's and doctorate from the University of Illinois in crop sciences, where her dissertation focused on high yielding corn and soybean systems and managing crop residue in different ways. We are in extremely safe hands here. She's going to be very knowledgeable, um, given the background that I just said. You guys might have guessed it, but we're going to be talking all things soil health, tillage, tips for successful planting season. Basically, we want everyone tuning in today to leave with a better understanding of sustainability and agronomy's role within that. So with that said, welcome, Dr. Brian, to the Discover Ag podcast. Thank you.
2: I'm excited to be here.
1: (laughs) So I guess jumping right into this conversation, we want to start the conversation around soil health. And the reason for that is because I feel like in t- today's like headlines and news, we're constantly seeing conversation, obviously, around carbon and carbon sequestration. And a lot of that goes back to soil health and the importance of soil health and – you know, one of our favorite topics is obviously cattle. And I love connecting that back to how cattle and manure play such a crucial role in soil health because of the organic matter. Um, And so maybe from your perspective, start with why is soil health so important?
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. So I think you hit a a lot already on soil organic matter and how important that is to, to soil health, as well as the farmer's bottom line, it can actually really set the yield potential because it's doing so much. It's really helping enhance the soil aggregation, which is basically impacting your soil structure. Okay, so if you have proper soil aggregation and that higher organic matter, then you're going to be able to have water infiltration so it won't be running off. So that's very important you also you'll have that better pore space so you can have both water holding capacity as well as air soil aeration so when the plant is there it can have access to anything it needs soil organic matter also has a really big impact on cec which is the cation exchange capacity so that is the ability for the soil to hold on to essential nutrients for the plant. Okay, we covered a lot there. So we're going to circle back
0: around and kind of break some of that down so we can go maybe a little bit more in depth and like a deeper level. But first off, I want to say, I really loved how you brought in the bottom line portion of it. I think when initially, when we always go into these conversations talking about like sustainability or regenerative agriculture, you know, whatever we want to call it, a lot of the focus is on, you know, the climate or the soil or the plants and the animals and as it should be like that, that carries a very large weight in it. But I always think it's really important to loop in, you know, there's multiple pillars to the word sustainability, one of which is um, economics. And so, you know, pointing out that that is something that, you know, we should care about That's something that building up our soil does in turn bring back to I think is like a really important point.
2: I absolutely I think to to add on to that, a farmer isn't going to want to ruin their livelihood. And that's what their land is. So they're going to be cautious of this and making sure that they're they're monitoring these levels and that they're actually, that's why the sustainability, it's a really hot buzzword right now, but it's also, I think farmers are already making a point to make sure that they aren't losing their livelihood, whether it's the land itself or their their income, because it is their livelihood. With the carbon market right now, that's a really big focus. It's, I mean, carbon research has been going on for a long time, but right now people can get paid for it, right? And so the carbon credit side of things, that's something that we're trying to, at KCAH, make sure that we're we're trying to stay ahead of it or, or make sure that we have the answers that the customer or farmer might need. So like we're going in, and we've already done long-term research with cover crops and strip tillage. And so that's part of it, but then also different pieces of, of say, our tillage equipment. We're looking at the impact of if a farmer utilizes this practice, then what's going to happen to the soil carbon? And how can they say they lose this much because of natural cycling of the carbon but then also of the tillage practice that they need to use. Because a farmer, they're going to select their tillage based off of so many different reasons. It's it's going to be because of what they need done, whether it's managing crop residue, or if it's they've got highly erodible areas where they need to maintain as much residue as possible, but they've got a really tight weather window in the springtime, so they need it to be warmer and drier, so they have to run some type of something. Or maybe they've got really di- like high disease pressure, and so they have to manage the residue. So we're trying to make sure that it doesn't matter what mindset the grower has that we try to answer all, all these questions with the carbon side of it. So we're looking at lots of different practices, the impact on this, the, the carbon cycle, and then the input from yield. So if you achieve this yield and you put this much carbon back out there in your residue, what's the offset? What's the carbon budget? And so that's what we're looking at to maintain soil carbon. So we're doing some research that's first of its kind, hasn't been done before with certain aspects of the carbon. I can't dive in too deep on that, but we're hoping to work with universities too, to further this research. And it's going to be years and years, but anyway, we're just trying to stay ahead of that and make sure that we can answer more questions questions about the carbon side of it. Yeah.
1: I love to hear you say that because I always joke that the carbon credit like area right now is like the wild, wild west. Like nobody knows exactly what's going on. No one knows exactly how much you're getting or how much you're not. Like how much are you actually removing? Like it is a very complicated system that is not as direct as people I think want it to be. And so I'm glad to hear too, that you guys are kind of like helping farmers along that process. Cause I would say one of the number one questions, Natalie and I get from farmers around carbon credits is like, I don't understand it. Like, how do I do this? Where, where do I go to sell them? Like, there's so many more questions than answers at this point. So to hear like a company like Case IH getting behind it and really like trying to help move that dialogue forward and be like pro farmer in that stance, I think is a positive And it's a place we need to be because it is an entirely new, like, you know, area of, agriculture that we're just getting into. Uh, And so it's exciting to hear there's research that you guys are teaming up with universities and and
0: moving that, that needle forward. So I've always heard, or I read an article that stuck with me that there are five principles to soil health. Um, I don't know if we'll go through all of them, but one of them is minimal soil disturbance. So I thought we could spend a little bit of time talking about no tillage.
2: So as far as I'd say that the conservation tillage side of things, the no-till or minimal tillage, which in- encompasses strip tillage and reduced tillage-like tillage, those are options that you can utilize and again, I think it has so much to do with the mindset of the grower and that mindset's coming from their ground, their farms, because a particular field can even be different because soil is so dynamic. But the goal with, with no-till or reduced till is to maintain as much as that residue as possible to maintain and make sure that we're maintaining or growing that soil organic matter that we discussed previously. So that's kind of the goal there because again, soil organic matter has such a big impact on the water holding capacity, the water infiltration, reducing the runoff. Those are why you would no till there are situations that, if you have the climate that works for that. So if you have a milder winter or no winter at all, that's when no-till is probably going to work really well for you.
1: Yeah. So out in New Mexico, we do, um, I would say, and then we double crop, but we've kind of converted. So double cropping is where we plant obviously something in the summer for people who don't know, and then something in the winter as well, because we're warm enough to do that. And we've Mm -hmm. kind of converted some of our winter to a little bit more cover crop style and then the minimal till and we were working with case IH on some new equipment and one of the things that i found really exciting in this space as far as equipment and technology goes is that um our farmer was talking about how for cover crops the seeds are different sizes because it's a blend of a whole bunch of different seeds that we're planting and the seeds would kind of sort themselves out so you would have to do two passes over the field with equipment in order to plant like two different types of seeds and like two mm-hmm. different types of grasses and you know to really implement those cover crops and case the new equipment had it so that you could better like blend those seeds and better do cover crops with a single pass of equipment over fields, which obviously saves tons of fuel, tons of time for the farmer like ton less dis- soil disturbance. And I just found that really interesting of being able like, I had never thought about how like case plays into our sustainability story, but like by improving equipment and gearing it towards sustainable practices and regenerative ag practices, we can be like moving our entire farm forward at much quicker than we would have like kind of by ourselves.
2: Yeah. I I love that. And that's, that's something we try to keep an eye on a situation like that, where for the equipment side, that's probably something we can easily do. We just need to listen to our farmers. And that's what we we try to do <laughs> to incorporate those practices. Something else that we've recently incorporated is a new vertical tillage or minimal till option. And that's our, our 435VT flex. And so it actually goes from that true vertical tillage where it's the most minimal till possible, the least intense, uh, zero degrees uh, blade wise, but it can go clear up to 12 degrees. So it can be more aggressive in areas that need it. We now have a tool that is completely flexible and versatile and it can actually change on the go like where exactly you need to to run these different intensities of tillage. And I think that's going to be a big Big game changer too. I'm hoping that we get more of the smart tillage incorporated. Tara and
0: I were just on a podcast and we were talking about how technology plays such an important role um, in you know reducing our carbon footprint and making us more sustainable as an industry. But yet there is consumer, I don't want to say like fear, but just question often a time when technology is incorporated into agriculture in ways like this. And I just it always just kind of frustrates me a little bit because. I mean, just hearing you talk about, again, it's a great example of what we can do to be more sustainable on our individual operations that we wouldn't be able to without technology. So I think a big thing ag really needs to work on is like making the technology portion, you know, I don't know, more integrated in or more. Yeah. From a consumer standpoint.
2: That's what a lot of my research, I have been able to, get the ground truthing done. So then I can go and share with farmers what the technology can actually do for them, the value of it. So, so anyway, yeah, incorporating technology has been really cool. And I think from our side of it, or what I get to do is, is kind of test it and then share it. And I, that's the, the biggest thing is we get a lot of hesitation because technology can be intimidating. And so we want to try to share the value of it as much as possible. And I'm like, if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Like If I can do it, anybody can do it. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, I'm making the prescriptions, but that's just based off of a topography map and our yields. And that's something we can either teach you to do or we'll do it with you or for you. One of the things
1: that in this conversation I find just fascinating and, and we say it a lot is, you know, ag is just vastly different from place to place. And I feel like that's one of the benefits of technology is being able to customize. Like you, like I love that you said prescription because, you know, every area is going to be a little bit different. And so being able to just customize what that farmer needs and then set the equipment up to meet those needs. Um, I think that while Natalie and I are like thousands of miles apart, we're actually both kind of in really sandy climates or sandy soils, um, with low organic matter going back to the beginning. And so, you know, what our needs are going to be on our, you know, either rangeland like Natalie or, um, crops in New Mexico, it's going to be vastly different than someone say in Illinois or Ohio or anywhere else in the country. Um, and so just being able to really tailor in those needs, um, I think is like at the root of regenerative ag, like when we talk about regenerative ag and all these buzzwords that we're using, The root is like doing what's best for your soil in your location and your state.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. and even going back to when you were talking about like the different forms of or I guess the scales of, you know, till, no till, minimal till. Um, I love that you looped into the conversation about how it's like a producer's choice. And that may even vary, you know, not just from operation to operation of what will be best and most sustainable, but even from like field to field on that operation. I know we were a no till operation, but we had to, um, we tilled last summer for one of our fields because we absolutely had to, it needed it. And so I think again, going back to this spectrum of what regenerative ag is. And even within that, like the spectrum of what no-till is to tillage and and where we fall on that and the spectrum of like cover crops and all of these different things because it's not just a one-size-fits-all for every single producer.
1: Yeah, similar for us, we... A harvest all silage since we're dairy cows. And so there is a need for tillage sometimes because of silage. Like it's completely different than when you harvest it to grain. Um, and I think sometimes even those c- like conversations are lost within ag that people, you get like so focused on like your style of farming and you're like, no, this, is you know, this is how it should be. And it's like so important to remember that everybody's going to have like what degree they're able to implement on their farm
2: and what their goals I are. Everyone's goals are different. Um, but we do have all kinds of options. So we did, we talked about the, the no-till and conservation till side of it. And we also have on the other side of that where you have really cold and wet climates or like heavier soils. So it sounds like you guys are not in that situation. (laughs) We are not (laughs) in that category.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you want to send some rain our way, we will take
2: it. Okay. (laughs) We'll we'll take your organic matter and your rain any day of the week. (laughs) Yeah, and that's because you guys in that warmer situation, you're breaking down the, the material so fast. So you do probably have much lower soil organic matter, it's just a completely different type of soil. But where you do have a heavier soil and higher organic matter, that is going to give a completely different scenario for a grower. Or they they might need to be managing crop residue and really bearing it, and incorporating it, or maybe they yielded really high and they have a bunch of tire tracks out there from the grain car to the combine that needs to be um, hit somehow. Whether it's like if their option is to use tillage. We there's there's those options as well. And that's also something that we've incorporated technology into.
1: I feel like when we were we were in Puerto Rico at the American Farm Bureau and you guys had a booth set up with your equipment in sight. um, I feel like the scale of farm equipment now is like Staggering, like we have some big pieces of farm equipment nowadays. It's like amazing the ground that they can cover and what they can do and what they can get done. And um, I, this goes back to Natalie and I. Natalie watches Clarkson Farm, and he got like a really big tractor in his show. And I don't know. It just <laughs> reminds me of that. But um, it's just, it really is crazy the magnitude of what what these farm equipment can do. How how. The technology is just so advanced. I think it would really surprise people if they could get inside of a tractor or any piece of farm
0: equipment, like just what it's able to do nowadays. Oh. It always cracks me yeah. up though, because when you get inside there, it's like there are like 15 monitors and all these buttons, but then it's like a rabbit and a bunny <laughs> or a turtle and a bunny is the throttle. <laughs> oh, it's like yep. at yep. the it's core, big... it's, it's so simple in some areas and so complicated in some areas within like a tractor cab
1: yeah, it's self-driving, yeah. but you still say whether you want bunny speed or turtle speed.
2: <laughs> very you universal. you you mentioned the size like last spring, I did a competitive benchmarking. and we were working with sixty foot wide field cultivators, which is just this is crazy to me. Like I typically utilize like a twenty five footer. And that's good. But yeah, we're using things that are 65 foot wide. And these farmers are going 10 miles per hour with that. So yeah, it's it's got quite some skill to
1: it. Yeah, I think that's a big part, it seems like of your guys' like business strategy is having the farmer input, making sure that farmers are at the table, like that you know what they want, you validated it for them. Um, so I think that part of your job is seems really interesting and extremely valuable for the farmers that are purchasing your products.
2: I definitely love it. I love it. I love research. <laughs> so this word has come
0: up a couple different times in conversation, but maybe we could go just for a few minutes um like a layer deeper on cover crops, kind of their role, why they're important, just um from an agronomist standpoint.
2: Yes. So cover crops. Very important. I, I kinda think of it like a soil blanket. I don't know if everybody thinks of it like that, but I <laughs> Sounds like that so it so
0: snuggly and warm.
2: <laughs> yeah. cozying up with our soil <laughs> protecting the soil. Um but I think uh, a big part of it is about reducing erosion. So making sure if we have if we're doing row crops and you harvest then you're you know you'd be leaving that soil fallow. So incorporation of cover crops is is a big part of that so that we can always have something there to have on the surface of the soil to cover it to protect it because soil erosion is again when when you have detachment of the soil from rain or wind. So cover crops are important there protecting the soil It can also, when you terminate it, it's going to be releasing nutrients back into it. So it's part of nutrient cycling. It's also got that carbon in it. It's more carbon material that you'd be putting back out there to make sure it stays on your, in your soil. Um, So all part of the the carbon cycle.
1: It reminds me of that quote. That's like, we owe our entire existence to six inches of topsoil. Like Mm -hmm. everything in our world is What we can grow in that, like topsoil, and how those little tiny seeds, you know, are able to
0: thrive or not in our topsoil.
2: Mm -hmm. I love
0: that. So I think it's safe to say that research is one of your favorite things, (laughs) Dr. Brian. Maybe Absolutely. we want to take a second and maybe it's one you've already talked about and you want to re-talk about it, or maybe it's not, but maybe just share like something, you know, Case is doing research into right now that's exciting or one, you know, that you're personally excited about or something on the horizon or just kind of, you know, something you want to share about um, Case and, and research currently.
2: We've done some research with our field cultivator. So we just, we're talking about making sure we're setting the stage and one of our tools, is primarily only used in the springtime right before planting. And that's our field cultivator, our Tiger Mate 255. And so that tool is what is going to create, we want it to create the best smooth seed bed. It's going to be level. It's going to have not very many large clods and you're going to plant into that and it's going to be complementing your planter. So what we did was We had it equipped with AFS Soil Command, which is where we have the automated tillage. So again, where you can control it from the cab, but it also has an industry exclusive technology, which is Seedbed Sense. So what Seedbed Sense is, it's actually detecting the quality of the seedbed that's being produced as it's being produced. So you're getting immediate feedback as well as having it logged for you to check out later if you needed to but it's giving you this feedback on the movement of your your sweep or what's actually ground engaging so if it was if it had more movement it was tripping a bunch then you'd be creating a really rough seabed floor and that's what you'd be planting into and possibly impacting the consistency of your seeding depth so what we did was we took this field cultivator we went through a field and we got all this feedback. We didn't make any adjustments. We just got feedback of if it was good, poor, moderate, or poor seedbed qualities that were being produced. And then we planted into that and we looked at the impact on the planter performance and the plants themselves and final grain yield. And what we saw was that where we detected a poor quality seedbed, we also had poor planter performance and lower grain yield. And then the same, the opposite was true, where we saw the good, the best quality seed bed, we had the best planter performance and the highest yields. It was actually a twelve bushel yield swing in our situation. So it was just it was really interesting to see that just how important it can be to set, make sure you're setting the stage. And so, um, and that that twelve bushel yield swing with with the technology that that only we offer is pretty like. Okay. Um, How can we use that? Something you can adjust like on the go, but also it's mapping it. So like, say you had an area that was really rough, you could potentially go back out to that particular area and hit it again, or you could alter your planter settings. Maybe you need to be more aggressive with your uh, row cleaners in those areas where it was rougher. Um, So we have all kinds of ideas to to give our growers, but it's just we're trying to incorporate more and more technology that we can so they can just have as much knowledge as they can before they go into planting into it.
0: I feel like Tara and I are a terrible audience for you because you're using these like large percentages. We're just, just like, like watching <laughs> and these big numbers and bushels. And I know, I know it's important and like I can grasp the um, general um, consensus of it. But I feel like if you had a true farmer here, they'd be like, What? No way. Like they'd be so ecstatic. <laughs> but I'm kind of like uh yeah. Bushels. Okay. Like that's
1: and what yields. we feed cow- uh, we're yeah. cows. We're feeding cows. We're going to feed a lot of cows. That's what Natalie and I are thinking. Um, No, yep. I feel like actually this reminds me of, we had an advocacy episode with Jack Bobo and he said that sustainability is like continuing to actually do some of the things we already are implementing the technology we're already working on, like implementing that. And you're talking, it just made me keep thinking that like, We are advancing technology so quickly. Like I really think we're going to solve so many of our climate like issues by agriculture moving forward, like moving in these directions of just being so precise, being able to maximize, you know, soil health, organic matter, being able to maximize yields. Like it's incredible what we've been able to do and like where we're headed. I think that's what I'm leaving this conversation with is just being really excited about the future technology in farming and agronomy.
2: I agree. I think the the technology is it's just going so fast in the incorporation of it. I, I love it. And like you said, the precision of it, that's what's gonna be really helpful with the sustainable aspect. So like being able to maybe have cover crops and precise put the strips your strip till right here and precisely place your fertilizer into that strip Then plant the seed right on top of that. That's everything that technology can do for you and being able to be really precise about it. That's, that's what's going to be important to really just have a really big impact sustainably for our future.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. Um, We took you over time, but I appreciate you sticking around and sharing so much about what you are doing, the work that you're doing, the research and what Case IH is doing. So thank you for joining us today. Thank
0: you for having me. Thanks again to KSIH for sponsoring this episode um, and for Dr. Brian for joining us and for you guys for listening to discover ag where every Thursday we cover the top three trending topics you need to know in the ag and food space. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to tell a friend to listen, share it to your social channels or take a second to leave us a review in the podcasting app. If you want more during the week, you can always follow us on our Instagram at discover ag underscore or our personal channels at Natalie Kavorik at Tara Vander Dusen, as well as our YouTube discover ag the podcast you